Welcome to Answer the Call podcast with me, your host, Emily Gallagher, entrepreneur, activist, and business strategist over at Conscious Boss. Each week, I will be sharing with you conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and game changers as they share when and how they answered the call in their life and how you can too. What's up, lovers? I am really pumped to share today's conversation with you because we are going to be diving into a super personal conversation and something that's really close to my heart and a journey that I've been on over the last couple of years around food and my body and something that I believe to be such an important conversation for every man, woman, child out there to really understand and reconnect back in with our bodies. I truly believe through this journey that I've gone on from being a psychotic overexerciser, from taking drugs to restricting my food and everything I was doing to just be crazily in control of my body. Going on that journey was one of the scariest things to unlearn and really has opened up, I believe, such a deeper wisdom and trust in my life and allowed me to answer the call in every area of my life with so much more grace and courage and awareness. And we dive into this conversation today with one of my coaches um, and now friends, Isabel Fox and Duke who is an expert at supporting people to become, to essentially stop feeling crazy around food. That's what her tagline is. That's what she supports women in doing and was a pivotal, pivotal piece of my journey to where I am today with my food and my body, which is a place of deep reverence and acceptance and flow and freedom and so much more space in my life in general because of this relationship that I have changed. And I'm telling you, like, believe me when I tell you, like I was obsessed with food and my body and even this conversation talking about food and body and binging and weight gain and all of that like that wouldn't this wouldn't have even been a conversation I would have been able to have a few years ago because I had so much shame and guilt and judgment and isolation around this and it really felt like one of those things that if someone would have found out about me like binging or this that and the other that I would have like felt so much shame around and it felt like such a dirty secret in my life. And now I can talk about it and, you know, be at the beach in a bikini and, and, and love my body. You know, that's a journey always for all of us, but I've come so far in this arena and it's opened up so much more possibilities in my life. And I really do believe it's a place, a place that especially women keep ourselves so small and focusing on this obsession. So I'm really passionate about this conversation. So if you've ever had any struggles with food, with your body image, or anything to do with this domain, today's conversation is definitely for you because um, I'll be deep diving with with Isabel on all of, all of this, her journey, my journey, and some tips and strategies that you can utilize to support yourself through this journey and also why this journey is so important and impacts and touches every other area of our life and allows us to answer the call so much more powerfully in all other areas of our life. So I hope that you love this podcast. Um, as I mentioned, Isabel was one of my coaches and now friends. And um, more formally, Isabel Fox and Duke is the creator of Stop Fighting Food, a free video training and group coaching program for women who want to stop feeling crazy around food. <laughs> if you can relate to that feeling, you're in the right place. So after years of trying to overcome emotional eating, binge eating, and chronic weight cycling through traditional and alternative approaches, Isabel discovered some radical new ways to get women over 
over their food issues once and for all, not just by shifting the mindsets of individuals, but by challenging the dominant diet culture as a whole, which she definitely does vehemently. A fixture and thought leader in the greater body positive movement, Isabel has been featured in the Huffington Post, Elle magazine, Exo Jane, and has been praised by Ricky Lake. Her writing and free guide, How to Not Eat Cake, can be found at isabelfoxandduke.com, and you can watch her free video training series at stopfightingfood.com, which I can not recommend you to do more. That was really one of the places that I started to even understand the intricacies of why did I binge and what is restriction and the, it, it's just really, really valuable stuff. And also her masterclass is available, which is what the one that I took, which is available at master.stopfightingfood.com. And obviously we'll put all of these links down in the show notes um, and check her out on Instagram. But today, right now, you can sit back and listen to our conversation. All right, Isabel Foxen Duke, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you with me. I'm going to give people just a little bit of an idea. Obviously, they've heard your intro, heard your bio, but how we know each other is actually um, you were one of the pinnacle people in supporting me to finally stop feeling crazy around food and like re fall back in love with you know, holistic health and caring for my body and, and, and all things food and body image. So you've been a huge, huge piece of my um, self-acceptance journey. Um, so I'm super excited to have you on the podcast and also like share your amazing tough love wisdom with my crew. <laughs> I'm ready. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Of course. So tell us a little bit about this. So what I want to dive into today, like I shared with you, is I want to speak a little bit about primarily the listener of this podcast is someone who is in business or looking to get into business. It's really about answering the call in life. So that could be to start a business. It could be that call that's like saying, like the call for me, for example, is like, I'm so sick of feeling this way about my body. Like I have to do something different, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all of these different little calls, I believe that life sends us and these little nudges that we get. And it's like learning how do we actually answer those and the steps that we take to do that. So I want to kind of talk about your business journey in, in one regard, but I also want to talk about, you know, the food journey. Because I think that for a lot of women, what goes in the way of a lot of their dreams, the first thing that they say they want to do first is, when I, right, when I lose weight, when I look like this, when I do this, it's like the thing that's in the way of everything else that they want. So mm. getting rid of this is obviously a huge piece of then creating everything else. So I'm sure that you would agree with me, but I'm sure also from your experience, can you maybe speak to how this really holds women back or the impact of this that you see every single day in the thousands of women that you've worked with? Yeah. I mean, well, with body image, it's just so huge. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I think that that is something that um, just like, I'm not being hyperbolic when I say millions of people just mm -hmm. in the United States, especially particularly women who I think are really resonate with this language of, you know, when I lose weight, dot, 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 fill in the blank, amazing unicorn rainbow things will happen. Either, <laughs> either I'll pursue, I'll have the confidence to go pursue the thing or, you know, the mm -hmm. thing will magically happen to me because I'll be thin and like, again, the rainbows and the unicorns will pop out of the sky <laughs> and like life will just fall into place, right? I mean, I think that, you know, anyone who struggles with body image kind of resonates with either of those. Um, and yep. so, yeah, so it can play out in a lot of different ways, either like the sort of like imaginary belief that like magical unicorn rainbow things will happen to me when I'm thin and everything will just line up and the clouds will part. And when I'm thin, you know, the, the man, the everything, the, the everything yep. will just like fall into place. 
Um, but then also you really do see, I mean, I think that something that holds them back is if you believe that I have to be thin to get these things, the relationship, the mm. work, whatever, then fundamentally what you're also doing is you are by definition not taking the actions to get those things because you don't believe they're right. possible at, in, in the body that you have, right? So it's like, it's yeah. a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, if I believe that totally. the relationship comes to me when I'm thin enough, I'm not actually probably taking actions that are in alignment or in integrity with like having a relationship, right? Um, because yep. I don't believe that I can get one, right, in, in in this side. So it's sort of, they're connected. It's like sort of two ways that this shows up mm -hmm. and they're connected with each other, right? They reinforce each other. Totally. And that was 100% true for me. Like I definitely had that story and I think we, we can get into this a little more detail too because we spoke about, that, about this when I was just with you last week in San Francisco, like around... I had the story of like, oh, I have to look this way to get the man that I want. Like no man would be attracted to me at this like, you know, size. And, and even the body that I'm in now, like a few years ago would have been like, oh my God, like I couldn't possibly live life in that right. body. And every day I'm more just like, yes. And I was saying to you, you know, it's like, yeah, finally, like, oh, this body is so great. And obviously it doesn't mean that we have rock solid body image every day because nobody does, no matter what your body looks like. But it's like learning to get to this place right. and then taking those actions anywhere. And I know that's a big thing for you when I've worked with you. Mm -hmm. It's just like, whenever I think, what would Isabel say? It's like, just can do the thing. Like that's, it's like, there's no, like, stop worrying about it, do the thing. And then in a way that's such a great way to go about it because it simplifies everything. It's like, stop being so crazy about it, but maybe even let's just give people a little bit of like a context as well on your story. And I guess why you even started caring so much about this journey for women, because you've obviously had your own experience of what led you to become an expert in this space. Um, so do you want to give us kind of just like a, a quick run through on, on I will. And that and whole journey that for you. Really, you know, it's a really good example of a lot because, you know, as you're talking, I'll just mention before I get into my story, you know, you know, yeah. kind of what's, what's, what's kind of coming up for me as you're talking is this idea of like, you know, I think people think I'm either an action or I'm in acceptance. Like we get this messaging that mm -hmm. like, it's either acceptance. Like if I accept that I'm not taking action to get all the things, but the truth is, is like, when I accept the things yeah. that I can't control, then I will take the actions that I do have control over. It's like, well, if I just accepted that this is my body, if I was just like, you know, this is the material that I'm working with right now. Like, what can I do in the dating world with this body? You're kind of going to be amazed what you can do in the dating world with this body, right? But if you're not even trying because yep. you don't accept the body, right? It's interesting. And I just think that it's, it's like as you're talking, this is coming up to me and it's fascinating because I've never thought about this before because I think in the mental mm -hmm. health world, we tend to juxtapose acceptance and being in action as if they're like opposites or as if they like don't. Right. But the truth is, is like if I accept the things that I, you know, that I can't control, right? The things that just are the way they are, it'll, it actually gives me space and room to go and take action. Yeah. They're totally exactly. linked. They're perfectly linked. So, mm -hmm. you know, for me, what that yeah. meant was, I mean, I spent my entire life just obsessed with trying to become thinner and trying to be as thin as possible. And just like, you know, I was, I always identified with just being like <laughs> a little bit too big or sometimes way too big. Like I always yeah. identified with not small enough and how this was the thing that was keeping yeah. me from getting all of my dream, having all of my dreams realized. And, um, you know, this was my whole life revolved around just like trying to control my weight to get whatever it was, the boyfriend, the status, the, you know, 
I, I don't even know, right? And it's, it's, it's fascinating to yeah. really like boil it down. I think at different points in my life, what I was trying to get out of thinness changed and were different things. Um, I spent my whole life yep. obsessing about this. And then, of course, it was interesting because all of the energy goes into just dieting and trying to control your size. And none of the energy goes into actually trying to get the things that you think thinness will bring you. Right. So, like, yeah. this is the irony, right? It's like I spent no energy yeah. trying, actually, just directly going after what I wanted because I just kept thinking, if I just get thin mm -hmm. enough, I'll get it. And I think relationships are such a good example of this. I mean, I think that this is, this also came up for me in business. I mean, in, in the sense of not even just business entrepreneurship, but just like work in general, right? Like, I, spent so much time and energy in trying to control my body that like work was kind of like this thing in the background that don't get me wrong. I was always a very hard worker. I'm amazed at what I was able to accomplish even while I was dieting. But, you know, I often make the joke if I wasn't spending all mm. that energy dieting and control my size, like I would be like a Mensa candidate. Like, you know, like maybe I'd be like an astronaut right now. If I, <laughs> if I put right. all of that energy that I spent dieting towards yeah you know, a humanitarian effort, I would have a Nobel Peace Prize. Like that's, you know, right. it's amazing yep. what I could totally. have done if I had just taken that energy and put it elsewhere. But also in, you know, in the arena of relationships, it's such an obvious example. It's like, I think that one comes up all the time. And I know I'm bringing it up because we've talked about it personally offline. You know, it's mm. like, I just keep thinking that the way to get the guy or the way to get the relationship is to just become thin to get the relationship. And as a result, I don't put any... I'm not I'm actually holding myself back from putting any effort into actually finding the guy who might like me for who I am. I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> right. What a, what a concept. concept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So this was my life forever was just, you know, constantly trying to make mm. myself thinner. And, and, and as a result, I mean, this is an extreme version, but I fell into pretty disordered eating habits, as you know. Um, at a very, at a pretty young mm -hmm. age and, you know, really went through the ringer with food, like really went to like the depths of hell and back never for many, 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 many years, never had like a diagnosis or anything like that because, you know, I wasn't thin, you know, I think a lot of people who have food mm -hmm. issues, they don't really realize it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to know the severity of your struggle because it's so normalized and, you know, dieting is so normal and you just think like, like what's wrong with me that I can't stick to my diet, but it doesn't even occur to you that like this is actually a problem that I'm thinking about food and my weight all the time or that my weight is keeping me from, you know, pursuing things or feeling confident in my life in all these ways. It's it's again, it's so normalized in our culture to behave that way that we don't even realize like how self-destructive it really is. And again, if you don't present physically as somebody who looks like they have an eating disorder in quotes, which is, you know, such a, you know, such a problematic thing. Like you can't really, you can't tell what's going mm -hmm. on with somebody by the way they look, but in our culture, we think that we can, right? We think that we know if somebody has a problem mm -hmm. based on the way that they look. So I never, you know, I just never, no one was ever really worried about me, right? Like I just never got, um, I never got the treatment, you know, I never got the treatment that I really needed until I started presenting with symptoms that were like, obviously, you know, oh, well, society says that's not okay. Like eventually I started doing drugs to control my weight. Mm. Um, and then that yep. was finally when I got the treatment that I needed, although quite frankly, that treatment didn't work either. And that's a large part of the reason why I started my business right. was because the treatment that I got for disordered eating was so shitty. Um, 
and so problematic. Yeah. And so I had to go through like this whole process. I think a lot of coaches and a lot of entrepreneurs in the wellness industry, who I imagine are a lot of folks listening to this right now, I imagine a mm-hmm. lot of them do the work that they do because they had a problem, looked for a solution to that problem, and the solution to that problem was not straightforward. And it took them, it was mm-hmm. a journey to actually get to a point where they felt complete with that problem, right? You know, we do this mm-hmm. work because the answer isn't obvious and it's actually difficult to come by. And we want to be part of the solution. If we if we're lucky enough to find solution for the problem that was difficult to solve, we want to help people get there. You know, like 100%. I think that that's most coaches. I think most coaches, even if they're not in like the health arena, right? Like most coaches who are out there solving a niche problem are doing so because the conventional ways of dealing with that problem didn't work. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, that led them down a long journey where eventually, hopefully, if they were able to find some solution, find some freedom, find some resolution, they're like, okay, wow, like I need to shout this from the rooftops because this stuff is difficult, right? This stuff is difficult to come by. Um, And if I can help somebody out of it, you know, that's a huge gift. So I, I will say, I know for a fact that, you know, the reason that I do the work that I do, the reason that I got into being a coach and doing sort of, you know, working with folks who are struggling with quote unquote food issues was not just because I struggled with food issues for so long, but because once I got to the point where I was really trying to find a solution, it took me a very, very long time to actually come by a solution that really worked for me because the solution was so you know, the solutions that were being presented to me were so confusing, so much conflicting evidence, so much conflicting messages, right? Like I often, when I talk about my story, I'm like, well, there's two parts of the story. There's all the bullshit, all the food issues, all the like conventional diet and cycling that I did before I got into quote unquote treatment. And then there was the whole journey of being in treatment and and trying different things and looking for the solution and trying to figure it out and talking to this professional and that professional and, you know, kind of getting all these conflicted, confusing messages along the way. And I think if that that was the part of the journey that really led me into the work that I do, because once I actually got compelling solution, I was like, damn, I have to spread this message far and wide because, you know, 95% of the people out there are are offering, you know, stuff that doesn't work or potentially harmful, damaging messages. I mean, in the eating disorder world in particular, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of really problematic stuff going on. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of just like jump in on this one too, because I think, I mean, firstly, it's like answering the call, like using your experience and where you've been led in your life to like then kind of create this life and business for yourself. But also I kind of want to jump in and just speak about the insidiousness of this industry because you just sort of started to go there, but also kind of, you know, touch on like, there's such a different array, like eating disorders, you know, is, is, it feels like a heavy word, but it's like dysfunctional eating and dysfunctional, you know, relationships with our body is so commonplace mm. that it feels like a natural thing for everybody to go through. And especially once you become tuned into, you know, this new world that I have now since doing the work with you and, and being on this journey and, you know, it's, it just pops up everywhere and everybody, everybody feels like it's the normal way to be. Yeah. Like it's normal to like be, 
it's something good about you if you don't want to eat or if you like worked out for three you know three hours in one day like all these things are like validated by society that like a lot of the times are super dysfunctional and like coming from a really like messed up place but they're so insidious and so it's so easy to feel like um you know this is the normal way to be it's normal to like be obsessed with what you eat it's normal to be obsessed with going to the gym it's normal to be obsessed with always trying to lose weight and it's like because it's become so normalized and it's so messed up that that's the culture that we live in and I remember you saying you know that we live in an eating disorder culture because we do and it's and so and I remember for me just to kind of hammer this home for anyone that's maybe experiencing this which is I'm sure a lot of women will be and are I remember that like feeling like my journey with my food and my body like it was the biggest it's like you said like if I wasn't focusing on that I probably would be an astronaut as well like I it was the biggest thing in my life that felt like it was wrong like it was like uh, this is the thing like at one point I'm moving like I've got binge eating disorder like I'm this is the thing I remember being so ashamed I remember being so overwhelmed I remember feeling like this was going to be this dark cloud over my life forever and I was so shameful about it and I think so many women have that experience and so and the same with you like I I like took drugs I like worked out hours and hours and hours on end like it was Mm -hmm. just psychotic like so obsessed and never ever 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 once getting to the place where I felt like now I'm small enough right and you know like it just never happened even though I was like miles 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 smaller than I am now like I still never felt like I got to that place you had you would have to maintain it right I mean like the other thing like maybe exactly. you're like at a magical place where maybe you're not even small enough, but you're like, you know, I like, I'm pretty good. yeah, exactly. Like exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like you're like, yeah. man, I remember getting like, I was like, yeah. you know, at the height of like my ultimate drug use, I was like, okay, I'm getting all the attention and all of the praise. Like everyone, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is, this is what thinness feels like. But I literally, I mean, what it took to stay there, there was no, yeah. And there was no end. Like I couldn't, you don't get to like cash in your thin chips at the end and be like, okay, yeah, I've crossed the finish line. It's like, it's forever. Yeah. It's forever (laughs) that you have to keep doing whatever it is that you were doing. Mm -hmm. And it is impossible to, I mean, practically impossible to stay there. And quite frankly, if you are able to stay there, you've got way bigger problems because the amount of energy that it takes Mm -hmm. to stay there is totally life consuming. You know, it gets yeah I mean I remember I didn't have my period for like over a year and a half like you know when I finally got it back like a year into this process and I feel like these are little things that we just pretend don't matter like oh my body is like it's like no your body isn't working properly because you're like not where it actually wants to live and I think that was a big thing with working with you was like really firstly understanding that like your body's going to try to get to a certain place and one thing that I think I I know that a lot of people probably struggle with this, but also was a big part of my process of working with you, both for the body piece, but also in the greater life piece is like actually firstly Mm -hmm. control, right? Because body is such this, this thing we always try to control. And I think the concept of actually even understanding the lack of control that we ultimately have over our food and our body. I know that was really struck. Yeah. Like that was a struggle for me to actually um, understand that. So maybe we could even speak to that. Cause I think that's quite a radical concept um, in today's world where we're constantly being told work harder, you know, like work out more, eat less, you're in control, willpower. Um, if you don't look like this, it's your fault. Right. So maybe you could speak to a little bit of that. Cause that's kind of like a head trip. I feel to like get around. 
Yeah, I would be happy to. And the other thing is, is it really ties in well with the following the call in business. Because if there's anything I'm learning now is that I don't have much control over my business either in the sense that like, I'm just going to be like, like there are sometimes things just don't feel right. And other times it's like my plan doesn't work out. It doesn't feel right. It's not flowing. And it's like, wait, this was my plan. This was my plan. This is what I was supposed to do. And it's just not happening. And then it's like the call comes, right? As you say it, I love Mm -hmm. that. And it's like, why am I being guided toward this thing? And then it's scary. And I don't, and then no, I don't want (laughs) to. It's like, what? Like, what is it? And it's like, it's not in my control. It's like, it's like the flow of the universe is happening through me in my Mm -hmm. business. And, and I think in a healthy relationship with business that we allow for that, right. As opposed to that same thing with food In a healthy relationship with food, we allow that we allow like the fact that like my body doesn't give a shit about my plans, you know? Like my body does not care about my plans. Like I could be like, okay, day one for the next 90 days, I'm sticking to right. And it's like, and then, you know, maybe you'll like manage that for a little while and then like some and then like event, but like pretty much inevitably it's gonna start to get difficult. Right. It's gonna start to feel like pulling teeth, right? It's gonna start to get like harder and harder and harder. And then it's just gonna right, and then it's like boom, something happens and the universe just had a different plan than you, right? Your body was just, your body had a different plan. Your body was like, nope, you want to try to starve me? I'm going to like, just like, you know, basically like shove you into a pile of brownie batter right now, you know? And it's like, you know, when people talk about binge eating, they describe it like this feeling of being out of control, like a force overcame me, like I went into a trance, right? Like these are the types of things here when people are talking about the experience of binge eating is like it was it was out of my control. I didn't even know what I was doing. People describe it as mindless, but it's not even mindless. It's like, you know, it's like the force compels me, yeah. right? And the truth of the matter is it's like, yeah, if you don't listen to your body, if you don't listen to the call when it's small, mm-hmm. it will get louder and it will get louder and it will get louder and it will get more and more and more and more and more into th- until you can't hold back yeah. any longer, yeah. right? And this is just as true with food as it is with everything else. It's like the universe, your body, you know, has like the flow of nature. Yeah. I mean, that's really, I mean, I've been studying Taoism mm-hmm. and that's what this is talking yeah. about, right? It's like my body, nature, the flow of earth, right? Like earth energy, right? It is it has its own plan and it's like you can try to resist it or not but if you resist it you're going to be in a battlefield you are up against a fight that you almost guaranteed will not win and it will be a bloody battle that yeah. will take you down right and it's like the longer i resist yeah. the flow of the universe whether that be in my business or whether that be my body right like my hunger my desires my appetites with food and it's like the longer I try to resist and push it down and be like, no, 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 no. That's not what my plan was. That's not what my plan was. My plan is to do the 90 day, whatever, like bullshit diet, right? As long as I resist <laughs> that flow, right? The flow of where the energy is taking me, it, it will get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder and more intense until it's like, ah! right? And it's like, right. And that's where you, when you binge, right? It's like, it's just, it gets louder and louder and louder yeah. and louder until you cannot hang on one second longer, right? It's like you just you crack, right? That's sort of what a binge is. It's like I cracked. 
Yeah. I remember I used to also have like, a, I used to think you could kind of essentially like outrun it, you know? So it's like, okay, like a, like whatever happens in one day, like that day was like signed, sealed, delivered and like sent off. Like, okay, cool. I, I, I ate, like didn't eat very much today. So, and I worked out heats, nailed it. Like, and you just think that you're like getting away with it. And, and it's like, you know, what I kind of learned was like, like that's not up, how right? it goes. Like if you just eat, yeah, if you eat a little less, like, that day you're just gonna have to eat a little more right. like a couple of days later like it evens itself out and again it's this like mentality of like you're not in control your body is going to even itself out and get what it needs eventually right. yeah, like your body doesn't even know what a day is like your body exactly have a concept of a day like a day is a cultural construct like your body doesn't even know what that yeah. means like your body is it's a 24 7 thing right mm-hmm. right exactly like you can go you know, you could go 90 days and that just means that the binge after 90 days is going to be that much more intense than it was if you just went seven days or two days, you know, like. Yep. Yeah. No, it's real. And I just like want, yeah, just people, I think it's even just no matter where you are in the spectrum of just sort of, again, like maybe you've been someone struggling with this for a long period of time, or maybe you just have like smaller, little, slightly more acceptable, like, you know, idiosyncrasies around how you eat. But I think another thing is like, like I just really want more people to be aware of this general conversation because mm. even as someone who, you know, maybe is again, like what you said, even if someone like it's easy to look at people and say, okay, this person has that body. So therefore like that's what a body should look like. Or even if like, Oh, I've been that skinny before I was having a conversation with my friend last night and she's like, your body is great. Like amazing. Like what, like, did she like, she's like, did you used to be like super small or something? You know, because once you have this reference point, you're like, Oh, my body should look like that because at one point in time, somehow I managed to get it looking like that. But it's like, yeah, but that wasn't what your body actually like, like my body has stayed the same basically I mean, I haven't weighed myself in two years, but it's like, it has not changed like in like two years, no matter what exercise I do, no matter what like food I eat. And so, but I used to have this constant obsession with just like, and it's like to have that level of stability and freedom, like my period comes every single month, like within a couple of days of where it should be. Mm -hmm. It's like this, the body is just saying, oh, I'm happy here. Like I'm, you don't have to struggle, even though like at one point in time, that's not what I wanted, but I've kind of digressed. But what I want to also highlight is the prob like almost like the problem of in society like validating like we validate you know healthy choices or we validate you know quote unquote healthy or we validate weight loss and we validate you know these behaviors and I guess what would you say to people who to kind of be a little more around this conversation like why is that kind of problematic and and well, something that I feel like you're really pointing towards in your story, um, and this goes back to the control conversation, is like, for whatever reason, this is the body, this is the size that my body likes to hang out at. Right. You know, like when I'm not screwing around with my food, this is just where my body ends up. In clinical terms, we call this weight set point theory, right? right? It's like the idea that like when everyone's just sort of getting out of their own way, they just, everyone has sort of a genetically determined weight that they just sort of go towards. And that weight can, you know, fluctuate with age and different factors and blah, 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 right? It's not like yeah. totally set in stone. But for the most part, it's like at any given point, you have a weight that your body is just trying to be, right? That's mm-hmm. That you don't get to pick right? You don't get to choose it. It's, it's, it's determined by the universe. It's genetically determined, right? It's, 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 it's not yours to choose. It's out of your control. And basically what happens when we diet is we are deciding, no, 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 no. I'm not okay with this weight. And I'm going to try to force my body to be something different than it wants to be. 
Yeah. And when we do that, it's like you're screwing with your biological instincts. You're screwing with the universe, right? Like you're, you're getting into a fight with God, basically. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win, probably. And if you do, you're going to be miserable along the way. You're going to pay the price. Yep. Yeah. So I think, I mean, fundamentally, the issue is like body diversity is real, right? Yeah. Like people are designed to be different bodies. We are all have what different genetics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we are all built differently, right? Like we are not all supposed to be the exact same size and fit into this like very narrow category. Like our bodies are different. Our genetics are different. Like I always like get a little sad when people are like, oh, I just have bad genetics, right? It's like, well, wouldn't it be great if we just actually like appreciated and validated the fact that people have different genetics and like it's okay to have diversity, like it's okay to have, you know, different types of bodies, right? And so, but in our culture, we're so obsessed with like, this is the right kind of body to have, mm-hmm. right? Like this is the body, it's a status symbol, right? I mean, yeah. we, there's a long history of this that I could probably spend an entire episode alone just talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. but you know, weight has become a status symbol in our culture. It's like a, it's a source of social power, right? We attribute yeah. a lot of value, especially for women, but increasingly for men as well to size as like an indicator of social worth or something. And so, you know, we spend so much time and energy. People are like, oh, good job, good job. Like, you know, getting to the ideal. But what I think the whole diet and the whole diet industry revolves around basically trying to convince you that if you just work hard enough, you can get to this ideal too, irrespective of the fact that perhaps that's just not where your genetics lie. Like perhaps that's just not where your body wants to be. Perhaps that's not actually healthy in quotes, right? right? Can't make money from that though. (laughs) Exactly, but you can't. Exactly, you cannot make money from self from selling self acceptance. Yeah. Apparently, in, unless you're an eating disorder coach, in which case yeah, exactly. maybe you can make yeah, that's your coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe, yeah, exactly. Although, like, you don't have any like you know multi. It's very rare for like. I don't yeah. think I know any like multi millionaires in the health at every size space. But you know what? Maybe yeah. maybe there's some coming. You know, right. maybe I wouldn't be surprised if there was some coming. Well, I wouldn't be surprised uh, either because I think it's definitely becoming more and more. Acceptable to even be having these conversations, like the fact of you know, like yeah. the body diversity we're seeing in mainstream media is really great. But the irony is, it's like yes, it's great because now they realize people want to buy it, so they can. It's yeah. again, it's still the capitalistic driver, um, yeah, leading that you know. But it's still helpful because totally. I do think totally. that that's been a huge part of my journey. Was you know one of the things you obviously share is like, um, you know curating your environment to make sure you're actually including diversity in your own everyday experience because if you don't see other bodies that you can start to see as beautiful and other bodies that are just in the world because we don't get to be shown those a lot of the time we have this everything in media is one very specific you know body um Mm -hmm. and it starts to slowly reframe your consciousness around what you think like hence why I after two years can actually like see myself you know, in a swimsuit or in this and that and be like, yes, girl, you know, like, but I could never have done that a few years ago. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. like also just knowing that there's hope out there. If you like are so in hate with your body and so obsessed with food and so in this trap and this journey, it's like, it really can move. And, but it also, you have to take action steps to be able to actually make a difference. Right. Yeah. You know, like this journey was probably that scariest effing thing I've ever done and like I've built businesses I've lived overseas for the, like most of my life I've moved to countries I don't know anyone like I've done all those things but this was one of the scariest fucking things I ever had to do because I was like I had to find like I had to 
let go of this dream and this fantasy and this belief because it was such a, it was like embedded in my bones that like I should look this way and this is what success is this is what beauty is and this it was so fundamental um yeah and I had to let that go and it was I needed my handheld for that like real talk like it was so overwhelming and so you know if anyone listening out there it feels like this is something because again, we're, we're programmed into being told that this is just something you should be able to fucking figure out. And it's crazy that something is biologically, you know, simple as just moving your body yeah. and eating, like feeding it. It's become so fucking complicated, but it has. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we make it complicated by just being like terrified of our bodies just existing the way they are. <laughs> right. Terrified. Yep. We're just terrified of just our body, like just letting our bodies be because we're so again it goes back to that sort of like core belief like all that social all that social power that I was describing earlier like Mm -hmm. all of that value that we ascribe to thinness like it's not a joke you know like it's happening especially for women but again for men for all gendered people but you know especially if you grew up in like a female identified body it's and you live in a city like LA crazy yeah it's crazy like you know you're really it's like from such a young age you're taught that your worth as a person your lovability as a person your acceptance as a person depends on you being able to you know force your depends on your ability to be a certain size and you're getting the messages that it's in your control to become that size which is probably not scientifically accurate right like hence the phrase diets don't work like the reason Mm -hmm. people say diets don't work is because most people fail at them eventually right like maybe you can hang on for a few months or at best a couple years but then like you know most people are gonna eventually fall off that wagon right like it's not they're not sustainable you cannot force your body to look different than it wants to be genetically for very long right it is just like the science is just not there to support this concept that this is something that is achievable. And yet we have a mo- one of the most powerful industries mm. in the world, like a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry that is 100% committed to convincing you yeah. that it is within your control and your lovability depends on it. <laughs> so and it's like so. both of those things are not true. Yeah. One, right? Like you it's probably not in your control, right? Like if you're actively suppressing your genetics at point weight, like you're going to be miserable and you're probably going to fail. I mean, 95% of people not even going to make it past year two, but even if you were able to, you'd have to be so miserable in order to maintain it. Like you'd be in like a basically an eating disorder category at that point. Mm. And then, you know, second of all, I mean, this, this question of, and, and you know, the second half is, so it's in your control. The second half is the second half of this myth is your lovability depends on it. Now this is, complicated because again the status thing is real right like fat phobia is real like mm-hmm. social status and social power being um distributed on the basis of size is real and just like any form of prejudice or discrimination you can take your power back into your own hands and say okay yeah this prejudice is real and that i'm gonna be myself and go find people who love me for who i am yeah you know like i'm not gonna pander and waste my life pandering to this prejudice right like i can be I can have feelings about it. I will have feelings about it. I can mourn it. I can be hurt by it. I can experience all of the different pains that come. I mean, and this is especially true, I think, for like, you know, larger folks, people who are living in plus size, larger bodies, right? I mean, that's really who this affects the most Mm. when you're talking about fat phobia and just like there are horrible things that happen. You know, the way that we treat fat people in this country is it's truly sickening. I mean, 
when you think about the discrimination that's happening in the medical system with with fat folks, with plus size, larger folks, people with the label of obesity, it is just it is horrendous how folks are treated. I mean, we should it's like everyone in this country should just be like ashamed of themselves for how we treat fat folks. Mm. I want to, can I just quickly dive in on there? Because I feel like the, you know, this conversation can have like these spectrums of like, okay, cool. I can accept it up to this point, but not up to this point. Right. Like I can accept Mm -hmm. size diversity up to here, but like anything over there is like, you know, that's just crazy. Right. Which is where this whole fat phobic phobia comes from, where people have these really intense attitudes about fat people. And, and also just anyone who's not versed in these conversations, I know that fat is like the more appropriate term to use for people rather than overweight. Weight, right so that's why we're using the word the word fat because yep. that's a very triggering word for people who have tried to not be fat their whole life right yeah so can you speak to a little bit of like to the person who's saying okay cool I can understand it to here but anything over there is just like their fault unhealthy bad habits blah 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 fill in the blank like what do you have to say to those people so here's the thing fat folks typically are not fat because of quote-unquote bad habits right I think that like there's this mythology that if somebody's fat, they must be like drinking soda and eating donuts all day long. Right. And that's just not necessarily because true. they like, make fat- shows about that too. They pick those people right. and oh, they choose the that narrative. Yeah. yeah, the stereotype is like fat Monica from Friends, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have this idea that like if you're fat, you must be eating like in these just, uh, you know, all day long. Just, you just must be exactly, you must be eating all day long. You're eating nothing but donuts. You're drinking soda. You're just, you know, and that's, It is a stereotype. It is not a reality, right? Ask any fat person in the world. Probably they have been trying to become thin because they're dealing with all the prejudice and all of the shit that comes with being a, you know, a larger bodied person in this culture. Like Mm -hmm. James Corden just did a great, you know, video about that. It wasn't a perfect video. There are problematic elements of the video, but he was basically like, you know, ask any fat person. They've probably are trying to diet. You know what I mean? Like they're probably trying to become thinner. This is not like news to them. They're not just usually not just like sitting around eating donuts being like, whatever, I don't care. You know, like most fat folks are actively trying to become thin because they're being treated horribly all day long. Right? Like Mm -hmm. this is not Fat folks are not sitting around just eating donuts like holly jolly donut eating fat people who don't care and, you know, don't take their health seriously. Fat folks probably take their quote unquote health more seriously than anyone. They are probably pursuing dieting more fervently than almost anyone for the majority. And again, I'm generalizing, right? We're just talking about for the most part. Like if you talk to a fat person and you're like, so like, have you tried like Atkins or like, have you tried like eating more vegetables? They're going to look at you and want to slap you in the face and be like, yes, I have tried that. Thank you very much. Like, look at, do you really think I haven't tried that? Right. You think this is a new concept? It's like going up, you know, And so I think that there's this idea that like fatness is the truth of the matter is fat people. There's not a lot of evidence that fat people are eating significantly differently than thin people. Again, more likely fatness has more to do with genetics, even on the plus side spectrum, which is why when people just sort of like let go, like, right, like you and I kind of like, let's call it like, we'll call it like medium size, whatever, like we're not super thin, but like also Mm -hmm. not larger bodied, whatever, just like kind of like average sized folks. Like, I think there's a fear when you like let go and eat whatever you want that you're going to 
gain just an infinite amount of weight. You know, I talk about this yeah. in the masterclass all the time. Like you're going to be like Veronica Blueberry from Willy Wonka, like the girl who just like, you know, ate until she exploded. And that's not really true. Like eventually you just become your genetic size and that's that. Like it just, again, it's not in your control. It's genetically determined. It's the same for fat folks. It's largely genetically determined. Like they're just bigger. Like that's just, for the most part, most larger bodied people are just bigger right? Like there's no, like, this is what they're doing wrong. There's no, like, this is the, re right. And, and I guess you could go into theorizing about the different reasons, but quite frankly, none of us have really figured it out. And even people who have good reasons for why folks are bigger, for the most part, there's not much you can do about it. Right. And that extends right, biological. Yeah. Yeah. And that extends even into situations where maybe there are other environmental factors that aren't biological. So for example, a, you know, a common you know, somebody might, if they heard me talking about this, might say something like, okay, but like, what about the fact that, you know, people are bigger because they live in like low income populations and are drinking soda all day, da, da, da. It's like, well, quite frankly, people who are living in food deserts who are in low income situations drinking soda all day are probably doing so because they don't have access to vegetables, right? They have to drive 60 miles to get to a grocery store and they're probably working three jobs. Like that's not really in your control either, right? So it's like the layers of things not being in our control are complex, right? It's not, I don't want to paint it as so simplistic as it's only genetic because of course, yeah. you know, things like diabetes, for instance, will increase your risk of, of weight gain, right? I mean, insulin resistance will eventually, it's hormonal. Like it'll, you'll, you know, put, probably put on weight if you're in, you know, if you're having insulin issues and that's for good biological reason. But again, the question of control gets really complicated, right? Because if you're in a situation where you're at high risk of diabetes, you're probably living in an environment where vegetables aren't even an option, right? right. And so again, the layers of no control get more and more complicated. And again, I could have this conversation for three days. I mean, yeah. you, you, <laughs> we've just, I mean, this is a, this is a meaty, juicy, intense conversation with a lot of really complicated science that I am not probably going to convince anyone on with any authority in like on in the scope of this podcast. Sure. But what I just want to maybe like offer as a as as like a question here is like, let's define the definition of control. How much control really is there? If we had that much control, right? I mean, we've been trying to solve the quote unquote obesity epidemic for, I don't know, 30 years, probably longer, but even just like from a political, I mean, Michelle Obama committed herself to fixing mm. the obesity epidemic to no avail, mm. right? How much right. control do we really have over this? Do you, right? Again, the stereotype that fat people are just sitting around with bad habits, just eating badly. It's like, come on. Like, no, they're not. Like it, it you know, Trust me, they are experiencing, they are not being treated well, right? Like they're being told every day that they're killing themselves. You think they're really just sitting around, just doing nothing? They're probably doing everything that they can. And it's significantly more complicated than like we are told, right? By and large, this stuff is not in our control. And by the way, dieting, right? It's like the worst thing you can tell somebody who is larger bodied or even thin bodied, right? Like the worst thing you can tell somebody if they're if they like, you know, it's like we want to lose weight. Do it. Go lose weight. And then like all that's going to end up happening is you're going to end up in the diet binge cycle. That's all that happens. Well, this is a right? crazy thing that like I remember when I heard it, it's like the the highest correlated act, essentially, or like whatever, the biggest precursor of actually of weight gain is dieting, which is yes. so 
crazy. It's like, okay, so you're trying to lose weight. So the very next action you take is literally the guarantee to get you the result you're not wanting. So it's like, it, like that yep. in and of itself is the most wildly crazy thing that we're still so obsessed with just like telling everybody to control it, like being so obsessed with just having it under control. It's like, that's going to be the thing that's actually going to, like, I think I actually eat less food now than I did before. Cause if I, if I evened it out over like binges and stuff like that, and even like, that's even irrelevant because it's not even about the food, but it's about like every single day, it's just like, I eat what I want when I feel like it. And then I don't want it. Like I, you know, there's no craziness. There's no like freneticness. There's no like pressure and like overwhelm. And it's just like, cool, my body will be the same tomorrow. Like I may eat that. I may not like, you know, when I first started this process of like allowing you know all of these like restricted foods and stuff like I was eating like cookie dough for breakfast you know like because it was like yeah. my body was and and even that and that's why I needed that support because it's like holy shit like am I like gonna do this forever like what the hell is going on and and that you yeah. kind of have to just normalize and, and accept and then just over time trust that your body and this is the thing as well that is uh, one of the things that I learned was you know, intuitive eating, which is what this is, just really thinking about what your body needs, what it wants, intuitive movement, just intuitively being connected to your body's needs is really hard at first, but it's like, so it's opposite to dieting. It's really hard at first and gets easier with time. Whereas dieting is really easy at first and gets harder with time. So it's like, because of that, it's scary because it's like, oh my God, this is so new. And is this going to be like this forever? And, but over time it just gets easier and easier. And then it's just like, oh, now I'm just in this place like with food in my body that I just never thought was possible for me you know yeah totally 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 yeah it is it's like jumping into the sea of uncertainty right yeah Um, which is a great thing just for life (laughs) right there exactly exactly and it's like sort of so there's like there's the control conversation right like do I have control does control exist which again I think is 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 a philosophical conversation it's not just about food and food like it's yeah. business, it's life. It's like, you know, how many, it's like, I had this download, I was meditating. I'm going to sound like a sage right now, or like, I'm going to do my best impersonation of a sage, which is I was meditating yesterday. And this thought came into my mind, which is like, life will be wildly disappointing and it will su- surpass your wildest dreams. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just like, Damn, girl. it's just happening. I know this is going to be my next Instagram post. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back to the grand. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You guys, for those of you who are listening, I've recently rediscovered Instagram. I took a long break and now I'm back. Um, but I'll link um, it all below for all the goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's this idea of like, it's like, you know, it's like we're on like a roller coaster of life. It's like, again, it's like, do you want to fight it or do you want to let it happen? Um, and it's mm-hmm. just as true with food as it is with anything else, right? Yeah. But the other, the other side of the of the control conversation, right, is sort of like this connection conversation right is this piece of like connecting and trusting the call right right yeah. right yeah. Like, 100%. Right? it's like okay all right so like I have no control over what the call is going to be mm. but I know that like my greatest freedom and my greatest peace and my liberation right or on a good day I know sometimes I doubt but on a good day I know and I trust that the call is leading to me to my greatest happiness yes so I'm gonna let I'm gonna follow the call right so it's like mm-hmm. my body wants what I'm gonna listen in I'm gonna tune in what feels good what feels right Right. Mm -hmm. You know, 
the likelihood is what feels good and what feels right is not going to be eating donuts all day long. Right. Unless, of course, you're just off of a 90-day juice cleanse. In which <laughs> exactly. Eating donuts all day long is probably going to sound great. You yeah. Know? But for the long term in your life, you will get to a point where eating donuts all day long will not feel right. It won't feel awesome. It won't feel in alignment. It won't feel connected, right? Like you're going to actually have, like when you tune in, you're like, what do I really want? You're going to be like, wow, damn, Chinese chicken salad with rice you know? Right. And so this is the other piece of it. It's like, I'm not in control, but there's some sort of guiding force, right? You know, like whatever you want to call that, the universe, God, you know, whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. there's something happening, right? There's something happening that's like, I can tune into like what does feel right at any given moment and I can't control it, right? I don't know what it's going to tell me. I don't know what the call is going to say, But I know that if I fight with, I mean, at this point in my life, again, on a good day, I know that if I fight with the call, if I fight with what feels worth where I'm being led internally, if I fight with that, I'm probably going to lose eventually. So I might as well just surrender as quickly as possible. But we get better, right? It's like life gets so much easier if I'm at least tuning in, right? So not only not resisting the call, but actively trying to tune in and feel it. Where Mm. am I being called? right now yeah with food, business with whatever and, right and this is this can be super subtle like I'll even say like just today mm-hmm. for example like you know I got a I got some you know not so great news the other day and ever since then I've been feeling you know just like slightly more emotional more reflective more sort of you know just not jazzed on all the things that are on my plate right now and mm-hmm. you know it's like that even that those subtle answering of the calls and the honorings of like okay like today I went for a big walk and then I you know it's Friday here so it's a it's a quote-unquote work day and then I was just like laying on the couch like listening to podcasts that felt good for my soul or like having a little you know it's like those also are the little moments in life that we answer the call because that when we listen to where the energy is asking us to go and be and again it's like like you said we're not resisting and so because if we're in resistance we're spending all of this time and this energy and this focus on pushing against what is already happening organically it's going to happen regardless but Mm -hmm. if we like like just learning to flow with that but it's it's scary so it's you know because we have all of this programming like oh I have all these things I should be doing oh I should be at my desk but everything in my body and my soul is saying just no I'm not up to it right now you know and it's like when we really honor that then we can move through it way more seamlessly and bounce back way quicker and and it's the same thing with food and body like when you really let yourself go through that journey when we're always in that fight, you can never even see how you could like love your body or feel okay around food. And then when you just go with that flow, eventually you get to a place you're like, okay, so now in this process is like, okay, what can I love about this? What And you give yourself the space to actually essentially create what was unfathomable at one point when you were just pushing and fighting against, but, but it can be scary, you know, and, and the calls can be really subtle, like you said, and then, and then eventually they just get really big, like not listening and then burning out and, you know, not listening and then turning into a psycho dieter and binger. Like they're all there. They're there all the time. (laughs) It's just. Right. If I don't listen to the call to like, Hey, you know what, this morning, let's just take a break and listen to podcasts. Let's not like hammer Mm -hmm. out million emails right now. If I yeah. don't listen to that call, you're right. Eventually it'll turn into a burnout, right? right. Like the call gets mm-hmm. louder and louder. I think that's such a good example. Well, this was something that I really learned from you. And I think that why is really why the food and the body journey as well is so pivotal for, you know, and I think it really affects women more. And like you said, increasingly more men, but you know, most of my audience is generally, um, you know, women in business and, but 
it really is such a journey of self-discovery. And so it's really like pushing off, like getting, you know, I think as well, when you're dieting and restricting and so obsessed and counting calories and all the crazy thing, you're so in your head. So you're like, you're so disconnected from your body and like your body is where your wisdom lives and your intuition. And that's where we can actually answer that call. And so we're so like, you know, just, just socially disconnected from that. So it's such a deeper journey than just like getting to a certain body or getting to, it's this real re coming home to self, I feel as well. So it's super important. And I know even from my work with you, like, I discovered that book Pema Chodron when things fall apart and you're a big Pema fan and um, you know it is a spiritual journey and it's it's about so much more than society makes it look like Um, it's really important it's such a special place to it's such an interesting it's so funny I feel like it's it's such an interesting place to work because it ties Mm. together so many different themes because like you know it's it's at its core, first of all, it's such an interesting example of how much control do I really have? Like I'm screwing with biological instincts here, right? Just even on a physiological level. So it's like all that interesting, rich control conversation, all the interesting, rich surrender conversation, but also it's just this really physical manifestation of coming back to the body, coming back to what do I really, what does my body want? What am I hungry for? What is my appetite calling for me? What would feel good in my body? As opposed to, you know, what dieting does, dieting is all about cutting off from your body and just being a floating head. Like the whole point is to like feel your body as little as possible, suppress, 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 just follow the plan and like just, just, totally disregard. That is the whole point. That is what dieting does. It is a disconnector from your body. It's don't even think about what you're feeling. Just follow the plan, Mm -hmm. right? Whether that plan is like, you know, Weight Watchers or Paleo or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it is, I mean, I often see like, I'm like, I teach intuitive eating, but really I teach intuitive living, you know, like intuitive Mm -hmm. eating is just, it's a, it's an entry point for learning how to read your body, connect with your body, be in your body, understand what your body's calling for, which, you know, hunger and and fullness are really like, you know, it's sort of like level one, like where to start. Like, oh yeah, I have hunger. Oh yeah, I have to pee. Oh yeah, right? Like basic physical things. The deeper you go into that, you can actually start to feel like what decisions feel right in my business? What decisions mm-hmm. What choice do I want to make in my relationship right now? Like you can actually, you can go deeper and deeper into the subtleties of your body. And it's like, you're right. All the wisdom that you'll ever need is there, right? Yeah. And if it's not there, it's meant to be unknown. Right. Oh, well, that right there is a really huge piece that I want to touch on. But yeah. I think that, because um, that's huge, but I also just want to kind of hammer home just, you know, why this journey for women is so important and it doesn't have to look the same for everybody, but it's like really take that commitment to look at your own relationship with your body and your food and ask yourself, does this feel good? Does this feel natural? Is this conducive for the life that I want? Because like, even when I was, mm-hmm. when I was a lot younger, but like, I got to where I wanted with my body in a sense without, st- you know, in a sense was still obsessed, but like, but I didn't right. want to go out and I didn't want to actually have my life because that might mean drinking or eating over there and eating that thing that wasn't. And then you're just like, okay, so it was the whole point of my life just so I look like this way. And so right. really like check in with like, right. what would it look like to have more flexibility and freedom and, and not worry about the, you know, planning all your meals or like looking at the menu ahead and seeing if there's anything on there that's like fits in, you know, like all that stuff, like fine mm. if it works for you, but like really 
really ask yourself if it does, because this is a, a real fundamental piece that we need to check in with in order to essentially become tuned into, like we've been speaking about, answering the call in every other area of our life because women really need to reconnect with our body and our our wisdom and our intuition. That's where our power is. So, and again, this is, we don't have time for this, but you know why it's a big piece of, I know there's a big patriarchal conversation when it comes to body Mm -hmm. image, right? Because all of this keeps women stuck worrying about all this stuff that we don't go out and do all of the rest of the things that we're completely capable of. But I want to, I want to touch on the unknown thing because this is huge for people. And I want to talk a little bit about your journey in business. So before we kind of pivot a little bit on that for the last sort of few little moments, can yeah. you maybe give us like the a couple of like maybe three best tips or the three best next things that people can do to like really start looking at? Maybe it's asking the question like, is food and body actually a problem in my life? Like, how do I know? What should I do next? Like, what are some of the tips that you have for them? I mean, it's interesting. Like, number one is like, like, how am I making decisions about food? Am I checking right. in with what feels good in my body or am I like trying to make mm. a calculation in my head? <laughs> yeah. because, and again, it does come back to, you know, it's like people are like want to learn how to respond to the call in business. It's like, well, how can you respond to the call? In, right? The call in business is happening in your body too, right? If I can't yep, even 100%. check in with my body about what I want to eat for lunch, how am I going to check in with my body about <laughs> what I want to do in business? Yeah. You know? Sure. And so mm-hmm. it's like, how connected to my body am I about this thing that is all about my body, right? This is a biological, eating is a fundamental biological instinct, right? Like how connected really am I to my body or am I just constantly, tr- or am I just pressing and trying to force and control with my mind? You know, that's a, that's a good question. How connected to my body, mm-hmm. to, to my body really am I around food? Because if I'm not connected to my body around something as like just basic and biologically fundamental and like nature earthly as food, there's no way I'm connected to my body about like any of the other bigger important stuff, you know? Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. So that's number one. I'm trying to think question, just like three tips for just like, yeah. So first, yeah, I guess it's like first, like, okay, self-identifying if they really have a problem with it. And then like, maybe what would be some next steps to take? Yeah. I mean, I think also in terms of like a problem, like, you know, the question of, do I have a problem? Like I'm really big on like that self-diagnosed. Like mm. if you're, you know, if you're happy, you're happy. Like if you feel like it works for right. you, it works for you. But it's always good to like totally. take some inventory. Like how do I feel good in my relationship with food or not? Like I, I think if like anyone, like, do, you know, if you ask somebody that question, they're going to tell you, they'll say yes or no. Like how good do you feel? Yeah. Like, do you feel like relaxed and free and happy and joyful in your relationship with food. I mean, that's another thing. Food is meant to be pleasurable, right? It's like sex. It's like sex and food are like the two, they're these like external things outside of our body that we need to survive and procreate. And therefore they have been designed to be pleasurable, right? They are designed for pleasure because we need that, you know, otherwise we wouldn't, be motivated to go do them and keep the species alive, right? They're designed for pleasure. They're designed for joy. They're designed for mm, making us feel good, right? And so, you know, is that the kind of relationship with food that I have? Or do I have a relationship with food that's like fraught with anxiety and, you know, kind of like this like stress and tension and terror, you know? I think a lot Mm -hmm. of folks in our culture have relationships with food that are that are stressful, 
right? Like it's like it's like an anxiety. It's like a to do list. It's like you know, it's this it's this thing that if I get it wrong, all hell's gonna break loose, right? So you know, is my relationship <laughs> with food one of pleasure and joy and freedom? Does it does it contribute to my mm-hmm. quality of life the way that you know we culturally think sex should, or is it like a source of anxiety and stress and tension? I mean, that's another really good question to ask in yeah. this sort of diagnostic phase, self diagnostic phase. I mean, I can definitely give a tip for if you really want to sort it out, and that is get support. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, like I could not have done it without that. Like really and truly, like it was so overwhelming for me, and I, I really, 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 really encourage anybody to go because this is a big life journey that gets to be taken, yeah. and we it's, it's such a pushback against anything we've ever known, and it's a fundamental shifting of a belief mm-hmm. system. Like, that's that's not light work. Like, it might sound like, oh, food and body. It's a fundamental shifting of what you believe to be true about your life and your yes. body. Like, that's big work, you know? And so it's confronting and overwhelming, and I definitely could not have done it. Like, I worked with a coach before you, and then I worked with you, and after I did your masterclass, like, then I did one-on-one. So, like, I did the work in it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a constant Constant process. So I would say get the support, put yourself in a container where you can have this be encouraged because it's a hard journey to do yes, alone. Yes. I mean, for sure. Like if, you, if there's any part of you that's like, I think I might have a problem, go find out, you know, like yeah. go talk to something, yeah. like go yeah. read a little, do a little mm-hmm. research, like look into it, you know, yeah. totally worth it. Yeah. Most people in our culture, I would say maybe don't like identify as having an active problem, but most people in our culture do have sort of like problematic relationships with food in their body because we're culturally right. taught, especially as women to have culture, right? And it's like our relationships with our body mm-hmm. are so oppressed and screwed up. Like we live in a culture mm-hmm. that is actively encouraging us to pursue self-harm around food in our bodies, that it's like even the most healthiest, most like quote unquote normal, mentally sane person in the world, like there's a good chance that they have some problematic views of their body and food. I mean, I think there's this, what's the statistic, like 80% of women or 85 something crazy, crazy like that, you know, have, have our body dissatisfied, you know, like just don't think their bodies are good mm. enough. So it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> right. And that's the thing I think too, in, in the sense of like when you're fundamentally shifting the beliefs, like with and I was looking at this the other day just about like you know because I kind of had like Marilyn Monroe as like my new like alias of just like channeling like sensuality Mm. and like sexuality and like you know she was a quote-unquote like bigger girl but it's like looking at I was started looking at like 1950s bodies and it was like all these ads that are like are you too skinny like this is how I put on five pounds and feel great like it was so crazy just the different messaging and you're like okay so literally beauty and size and body is a completely socially constructed ideal so then if that's the case then why don't we take that narrative back and really just train ourselves to actually like look for the things that are going to validate us to feel better not just instantly assume that the thing that's making the money right now and that's in vogue right now is the thing that we should all try totally. to be. Totally. Head trip, yeah. head trip though. I was going to say, we're definitely going to have to do another podcast on your business. I was going to try to pivot into it, but I think that we'll do that on a totally different podcast because I want to talk about like your business as well because this is, you know, you've answered the call in terms of like I'm really still answering um, the call. I'm always answering the call. The call right? never ends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the call yes. is changing 100%. all the time, right? It is. It, it is really an is. energy flow that is in motion, you know? And so 
I mean, I will say answering the stop fighting food call, my primary program is called stop fighting food. That was a big one. You know, like it was Mm -hmm. a big call. It was like a multiple years long. I mean, it's ongoing. It's still happening. And it was a juicy Mm -hmm. one. But let me tell you, the stop fighting, stop fighting food is like chugging along. It's like still happening. It's like right there. It's like, you know, there for the world to see. And, Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's still so many other calls, right? And there's still like, like maybe oh, I'm yeah. going to do a podcast. Maybe right? it never ends. It's like, I'm just mm-hmm. learning how to be led by the call and trust the call, you know? Yes. And and I'd yeah. be happy to talk to you about that on another podcast episode because I was very excited yeah. to talk to you about that because I never get to. And so it's, it's, it's energizing for me to oh. talk about <laughs> It's energizing for me to talk about the business stuff because, you know, I don't get an opportunity to other than with my professional mentorship right. clients who know who they are. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, we could we could dive yeah. into it. It's going to be super yeah. long podcast. <laughs> yeah. Be part two. Yeah, we'll do a part two for sure. But I think it's, you know, a lot of this, again, like for me, it's also feeling like the first step is for people to really master this connection with their body, especially women, because our wisdom does live there. And so that answering the call is an intricate process. And like you said, if you can't answer the call to listen to what your body needs to feed itself, how are you going to then decide, oh, where am I going to live? What am I going to do with my business? How am I going to cope with this uncertainty? Like it's a very, it's a bigger game. And so we need to learn to sort of honor that but and 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 listen mm-hmm. to those not trusting and knowing that like maybe that journey of like really mastering your not mastering but looking at your relationship with food and body is going to lead and open you up to so many other things like I didn't think that I could date in this body and now I'm starting to like have this amazing dating experience and it's like oh yeah you, you have to do the thing and and you and I both and and aligned in this mentality but it's like you got to do the thing to get the confidence you got to do the thing like the only way you get better at anything is by doing it before you freaking feel ready for it right yeah I'm like you. wear the bikini wear yeah. the go on the date like right. do all the well, things yeah anyway you know right which is so like you know we've heard it all before but it's like how many of us are actually like really mm-hmm. <laughs> actioning mm-hmm. that Okay, amazing. Yeah, we're definitely going to do a part two because there's, you know, you've got done so many amazing things with your business. Like you're one of the OG like online women. Like you were writing for Huffington Post like years ago. The, all the affiliates, the blogs, the launches. Like you were literally one of the first. So I definitely want to speak about that and also like the new changes you have coming up. But I know that you work with. Tell people a little bit about. So firstly, if you're, a, you know, just a woman that wants to really master this relationship with your food and, and start looking into this journey, I cannot recommend Isabel's masterclass enough. It's what I personally did and then worked privately with, with her. So um, I'll definitely sub, sub, like recommend that. And yeah. we can, I think we can, we can put a link down in the show notes too, because you can kind of join that at any yeah, time, right? Yeah, check out. So, I mean, the, the two places where people, do, if you're just like curious about this work and you're not sure, you're like, is this for me? Like, eh, do I like your stuff? Mm-hmm. My, this is, this is how old school I am is that I have a pretty extensive written blog at isabelcoxandduke.com that, you know, that was like the original, like 10 years ago when I started, people would just like binge read my blog, but it's still there and it's awesome. And then also, um, I have a video training series, like a free video training series intro class that just sort of talks about the basics of this stuff and sort of introduces people to, you know, okay, like just sort of in a nutshell, how do I stop feeling crazy around food? Uh, and that's at stopfightingfood.com. And that's sort of my, um, it's again, it's a, it's, it's my like, I've been running Stop Fighting Food forever. Once you sign up for the video training series, if you want to go deeper, you can get into my masterclass, which is, you know, 
I mean, it is super comprehensive as you, as Emily can attest. I mean, it is like everything you could possibly ever want to know about the subject and it's pretty affordable. I mean, super affordable and especially considering like it's really generous. Like you still have like live calls yeah. going that people can join. Like I joined two years ago and I'm still able to get on like live calls. Yeah. I'm just like, what yeah. is this girl doing? It's, it's amazing. Yeah, you're <laughs> I mean, most, like, you know, for the most part, you're pretty much in for, you know, you can be in for life, you know, you get access to so much yeah. stuff and it's like, it's, I mean, this program is, it's a no joke flagship program. Like I've been running this program for, it'll be six years and it's, it just gets better and better and better as time goes on. Cause it's just, it's constantly evolving with me and with all of the folks who are in it. And it's just a great, it's just, yeah, it's a really, there's so much to learn in the masterclass. Like you could go as deep or as shallow as you want with it. And yeah, there's just a ton there. There's just a ton, ton, ton there. Yeah. And I love it because it's like kind of if I'm having a moment where I'm just like, all right, today I'm feeling a bit shit about what I ate yesterday or like life or my body or whatever. I'll just like throw on yeah. a coaching call and you just listen to it on the walk or something and you're just reminded like, okay, cool. Yep. Not going to go down that crazy train. And like I'm, I'm way past the crazy train now. Yep. But like, yep. you know, depending on what's going on, it can be a really supportive just reminder. Exactly. Um, and also realizing how many people, you know, are going through the same yeah. thing. So it's a, it's, it's a wealth of stuff. And I know you're also really uh, passionate about supporting more people and becoming essentially like, you know, health at every size pra- practitioners, yeah. right? Like people that are in the wellness profession that you're educating to, to infiltrate this into their yeah. work too. So that's something that yeah, you're Yeah, it do. is. It is. And that, so we just closed that program in July. So I think there's going to be another, I mean, there will be another one in 2020, I believe. Um, but yeah, I do professional training and mentorship also for folks who want to work in the sort of um, eating disorder recovery space um, and start practices in this space. Yeah, that's another, yeah. something another for everyone. Of what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's becoming a bigger and bigger part of my business. This year, it was a, a pretty big part of my business. So I'm excited to continue that. Yeah, well, with more people answering the call and wanting to have their own business and wanting to, you know, take that journey and then start supporting other people through it. I think that it's great to have that tool and that support to, to learn how to do that again, because it still is, you know, you're obviously in the world of it. I'm more in the world of it now, but it's still a relatively new concept and idea in the mainstream world. So again, having that support around you is really, really important. Um, we've kind of touched on it through through the session but maybe just to kind of really hammer it home like how is the how do you personally like best answer the call in your life like how do you even hear it like what are what are some of the ways that you hear that like little call and how is it that you kind of answer it like obviously you've established a really great relationship with uncertainty and surrender so I feel like those are two really big pieces um but is there just anything else you kind of want to share on that topic really quickly I mean it's interesting. I mean, so like there's always an element of like the body piece of like feeling something in my body and that mm-hmm. can show up in a couple different ways. It can show up like I'm having – I'm feeling good. Like something that I wasn't expecting came into my life and all of a sudden feels energizing or like I feel excited about or I feel loving towards or like there's something that feels – it just feels good, right? Like something just feels good and I don't know why and it makes no sense. And then oftentimes when I feel the good feeling, I'll be I'll be overcome with fear because oftentimes when I feel a call towards something, I'll immediately start scanning for all of the reasons that it won't work or all of the reasons why it makes no sense <laughs> or all of the reasons why it's not a good financial decision or whatever, right? And so, you know, there's that sort of one way that the call can happen is like, you know, it'll, I'll, I'll feel something good. I'll feel, I'll literally feel like called to something. And then 
you know, one of the, the, what I often have to work through when that happens is the fear of it, right? The fear of it, of all of the reasons why, you know, kind of working through all the reasons why, you know, maybe in my logical mind, even though it feels good, it's not right, you know, and, or, or it could go wrong or blah, blah, blah. So that's sort of like, Reasons that will never not be there, FYI, people listening. Exactly. <laughs> Another way that it can show up, I mean, we can, and this is something I'd like to talk to you more about in part two, but it can also be the the the, the anti-call, right? Like my plan's just not feeling mm. good. Like I'm going down a road and it's not feeling mm. right and it just, something keeps getting blocked. And yeah. um, I think yes. in business that happens just as often as I feel called towards something, I also can find myself yeah. in blocks. It's like the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be also really scary because not only is my plan not working out, yeah. but sometimes when my plan's not working out, maybe the call of what I should be or what or what I'm being called to do isn't as bright or like not as obvious. I don't really know. And that's where the uncertainty comes. It's like, wow, this isn't feeling good, but I don't know what does. It's like when you're like, I know my relationship yeah. isn't working out, but I don't know who the next one's going to be, right? Like that can be, that can yep. happen too. And so- I'm always taking inventory of how things feel in my body, right? Of like, you know, what's my, emo- like, like, what is my emotional state around this? And for me, I really try to focus on how emotions feel in, in my physical body. And yeah, so that could be like feeling the call or feeling an anti-call, right? And sort of navigating that. Yeah. And there's always, there's usually challenges around pursuing the call. Occasionally I'll feel a call obvious and it'll be like, oh my God, the path is there. The clouds have parted and it's just like go time. And those are what I call moments of magic, like moments of like God delivered miracle. And I've had a few moments like that. And one of them was actually when I started my business. The other was when I moved to California, Mm -hmm. right? Like there have been a couple moments of my life that are so unique and special that I can actually remember them where not only did I feel a call, but it was like the universe came up to meet me and it was all like perfect. Um, generally, yeah. there's more challenges involved. <laughs> and Yeah. No, but that's yeah. important to note. It's important to note that because it's like it, just because you're answering the call doesn't mean it's like, oh, now there's right. no problems. You still have hoops to jump through, but it's just like it's that little internal subtle knowing of like this is yeah. the right direction. Things are showing up for me to keep yes. leaning into that. And I think, again, that is important to – to know and I definitely agree with the anti-call as well <laughs> wouldn't haven't called it that but like it's you know because it's right. the frame of it, but it is it's knowing that like oh this is no longer where right. I should be going either but it is can be scary when you don't know what that yes. next thing is but generally you won't but that first call is knowing this isn't right. feeling good so I have to right. trust that not continuing to walk down that path will actually eventually right. show me like usually happens being before called. creation Yes, exactly. (laughs) But we're so used to wanting to hold on to that certainty. And so we know what the other thing is, but it's like, that's not really generally how it goes. We need to make room (laughs) for the creation. It's like the destruction happens is like, it's happening to make room for the creation, but it can be really painful and scary when you're in destruction and you're making room for the creation, but the creation hasn't presented (laughs) itself yet. That's really, it can be really, really terrifying. And that's where you start to get into like resistance. Like that's where your resistance and your fear like really shows up. And that's where you can get into a real battle. And and what I will say is, you know, it's like the more I surrender, the faster the process will go. But even if I don't surrender, even if I fight, it's coming anyway. I'm going to lose that battle. So I'm going to go to the same place in the yeah. end, you know, no matter what. Yeah. 
No, I love that. All right, just to like really lighten it up a little bit, what would be like a, what are you reading right now or what would you recommend like as required reading for like just life? What, what, what are you vibing with? Oh my what do you God, recommend? what a question. I mean, <laughs> well, like for me, I've recommended that Pema Chodron book to so many people because I'm like, that was a fundamental oh, that's piece like a for, Bible me. for me. It's um, like something that I would, I use it like an oracle yeah. deck. Like if I'm like having a hard time, yeah. like if things are really not going well, like when I'm on my knees struggling with something, that is the book that I will pull out. Like if mm. I am like about yeah. to burst into tears, like that is pretty much, that mm. is the book for me. Like it's the, it's the book that I reach for when yeah. I'm in my, the most struggle, the most pain. Mm. So that book is when things fall apart everybody by Pema Chodron and we'll put that in the show notes yes, but just it so is. you know and, and I will warn people and I think Emily you'll agree with this it's a book that sometimes mm-hmm. doesn't make sense unless you're struggling so much that you can't right it's like one <laughs> of those books where like, if you're in a really yeah. good mood and everything's kind of like going your way the book might even yeah. It might not. It might be b- totally boring. It might mm. just sound like, "Who is this Tibetan nun?" But then, when you're like on your knees, yeah. like just in pain, like nothing's going your way, like life is falling apart, it's like all of a sudden every sentence sounds like gold. Yeah, it's like it like fills your pores with just like yeah. like nurturing. <laughs> like, it is. It is. It's, it's kind of a magical book in that way. It's like you could read it, and it could literally yeah. mean. I remember the first time somebody recommended it to me. Actually, she didn't. Re- she was a friend. She didn't recommend when things fall apart she recommended another Pema Chodron book called The Wisdom of No Escape and I remember reading it and I remember just being like bored you know like I remember just being like eh, like whatever like this is some like weird Buddhist thing and like it just didn't resonate and then I remember like having a moment where I don't even rem- I'm sure it was business related but it was like every it was like everything was falling apart I thought I was gonna die and I was desperate and for whatever reason the book just like appeared to me you know and I picked it up and I like yep. opened it to like a like first page and it was like the first paragraph like it was like god like with the shining lights like ah! you know like it just yeah. like all of this it yep. just made yeah. sense and it and it was a game changer so yeah so that's a, that's a bible for me that's not <laughs> no biggie yeah, that's people a, that's, yeah that's a bible for me that's not even like a book I'm reading that's just like a book it's a book yeah. that I reference. It's embedded yeah, in your I books. reference it just like throughout my life. Like I think I've probably purchased like three or four copies mm-hmm. of it in the course of my life. Um, yeah. yeah. In terms of, you know, another book that I really love that's really helpful for surrender. Like if people are, are struggling with this mm-hmm. concept of like being in the flow of life. Mm-hmm. I'm a really big Tosha Silver fan. I don't know if you know who she is. Oh, yeah. I watched one of her videos once. After yeah, I love her. her. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of her. She's a little bit more. Um, she's not. She's not like a Buddhist person. I mean, she takes a different perspective. She's a little bit no. more like. I don't want to say God because she doesn't talk about God, but she talks about like you know, like the flow of life, the universe, like you know, mm-hmm. the, the force that controls everything that I cannot. My yeah, energy. And, and so she kind of uses that language a yeah. little bit more, but she does so in this like really playful fun very different than Pema Chodron I mean Pema Chodron is like this like Mm. just Buddhist nun just like no nothing frivolous Tosha is like telling stories and talking about her life and you know she's a little bit more playful in that way but she there's something about Mm -hmm. Tosha that just resonates with me um and she just wrote a book called it's not your money and it's about surrender in 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 money in finance 
Oh God! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all <laughs> yes. about letting okay. go, right? Even the even the title you can imagine. It's not your wow. money, right? Like her perspective, like it's not it. yours. Like the money is just like it's it's like the universe provides for you. Like it's the you, it's, right? It's like uh, it's it's so many people are gonna go and yeah, look at that book. Really, it's she's really great. She wrote a book. Her first book was a book called Outrageous Openness. Um, which is all about just like mm. surrendering to the divine. I mean, that's how she kind of, she uses the word the yeah. divine, the divine surrender. To the divine. Oh, makes me feel so yeah, happy. Yeah, it just, <laughs> I just relax when I listen to her. She also has a great yep. Google talk yep. that I love. So yeah, so I read a lot of okay, Tosha cool. Silver. And then right now, as you know, because we talked about this last week when you were in San Francisco, kind of pivoting. I mean, if you want to know some mm. other stuff that I'm working on, yes. it's not about the surrender necessarily, but also very important spiritual emotional work is I am doing a lot of relational work right now. That's uh, this year has been a Mm. big year of learning about being in relationship with other human beings and being, doing how to be in healthy connection with other human beings. And so I've been doing reading, um, I've been doing, taking classes in nonviolent communication, nonviolent communication is a book by Marshall Rosenberg Mm. that has completely changed my life. I healed my relationship with my sister completely after not speaking to her year and a half conversation and we're closer than we ever have been that book changed my life wow I just got chills yeah I mean I've heard of that book but like again there's nothing like a testimonial you know because again and again it's it's again it's the stuff that like we assume that we should just be good at because we're humans and we know how to eat we know how to move we know how to be in relationship wrong (laughs) we don't like we're all just like trying to figure it out so I I love that because it's like we're never there's always an edge to lean into to like we get terrible cultural messages about how to be in relationship Especially women, oh. but really all people. I mean, especially men too. I mean, we get horrible, horrible. Yep. I mean, I had terrible like relationship role models. Um, most, yeah, most, most people, people do. do. Most people do. Most we do not do. live in a culture that is that revolves around like how to communicate compassionately. You know, like that's not the world that we live in. Um, yeah. So yeah. So this book when, was also yeah. a game changer. Changed my life. I'm now committed to studying it, and I've been taking classes and all sorts of other stuff so impactful love it oh my god it's so good yeah well because when you will ask when you'll ask someone like I often ask people how many people in your life do you know that you look to and like would want <laughs> their relationship generally the the number yes, is zero yes, to one. yes yes like like it's like whoa this is not <laughs> good people we have some work yeah, to do totally, for sure so I love totally. that and that's what I've mm-hmm. decided I'm like oh I keep like ending up single and keep having these like one and a half year two year relationships that like end up falling apart and I'm 33 and what's wrong with me and I'm like oh it's because like and what I realized this year yeah. is like because I don't want to be in a shitty relationship and I don't know how to be in a good one so my yeah. job is to actually learn how yeah. to show up as as an awesome awesome partner you know like as a partner that is mm. so like kind and supportive and loving and doesn't, you know, do all these like things that I didn't even yep. realize how violent I was in my communication before I read this right. book. I didn't realize how, yeah. like, how, like, yeah, no wonder my partners were, were just, dis- you know, w- w- would throw their venom yep. back at me. We were throwing it back at each other, you know, and, and it doesn't always necessarily yep. even look like yelling and screaming and all these things that you think of as talking can look do totally. really subtle um and so yeah so I just yeah I'm committed to having like awesome life-giving supportive like 
emotionally corrective mm. connection, right? So emotionally corrective. This is a term that I learned this year. It's like whatever you didn't get from your mm. parents, how can I be committed to getting, yeah. right, correcting that in my in my intimate relationships and really mm. getting my needs met in like the deepest way, and and it's not about just finding the right person. It's actually a practice. <laughs> like, yeah. And yes, becoming the right things, person. It's much more about becoming yeah. the right person than it is about finding the right person. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. I'm about to do, I think I told you, I'm not sure, but I'm about to do the Hoffman process, which I'll, I'm sure I'll do a podcast about when I come back. But, you know, it's a lot about that, like about facing off with like your childhood stuff, which I think a lot of people don't, we're not even conscious of the, how much of it we have, but it's like, I mean, well, you just do, you, you just do. It's just life conditioning, whether it's from your family or just life in general, there's stuff we need to, like you say, correct um, and take those steps and actions to really, again, answer the call where do you keep attracting the wrong relationships? Do you keep binging? Do you keep frigging becoming a workaholic? Do you keep running out of money? Like where are the patterns and what do you, what, what does that call that life is coming? like trying to have you pick up on um, and then go there and start there first because then that generally will will lead you to whatever that next step is as well amazing thanks babe Um, I really appreciate you jumping on and sharing all the goodness we'll definitely do a part two where we can kind of dial in a little bit more about your business journey and what's coming next and all of that too because I love to share those stories um, because you've created super yeah (laughs) give yeah you're like I'm ready to talk about some new things Totally. All right. Well, so what's the best place? Obviously, we've got the video um, training series, stopfightingfood.com for your blog. Those are the best places. Do you want people to come and check you out on Instagram? Now you're like, yeah, I mean, I hope I stick with it, you guys. So okay, I'm cool. not giving any guarantees, yeah. but I have been recently recommitted to Instagram. If you want to check me out on Instagram and just like hear me just drop video bombs um, is my current strategy with Instagram. Um, I don't <laughs> well also i think no no i'm oh, sorry i go. think they're fun to listen to i don't know if other people agree but like, <laughs> like well i think it's just again it's part of the curation of the environment that you need in order to create a new belief system like i used to go and check out your instagram like you have a, an instagram mm-hmm. ifd bodies right like Hudson Bell, Fox and Duke bodies so just to go over there and like get an example of like accounts that you can start following to like start like looking at beautiful different bodies and start accepting and start changing that 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 again that environment of what we're looking to so that's a really great resource as well nice. when you're looking to do that and I would say one of those tips too is like stop following Fitspo accounts like stop following accounts that yes. make you feel like a piece of crap like curate oh, that environment huge. is really big yeah. I mean we talked about that all day but yeah, yeah it's like just well just stop following yeah I was just gonna say feel badly about yourself or that like trigger you or encourage you to diet in general and or like not be be dissatisfied with your body and yeah. just start following people I mean I can't even imagine. I remember, like, I feel like me making peace with my body, the probably the most impactful thing that I did was just start following, like, awesome, like, cool, sexy people who were my size. You know, like, like it was magic. I could, like, see myself. I was like, oh, totally. like, yeah, like, she's awesome. Like, she's, like, well-dressed and hot as hell. And, like, she kind of looks like me. Like, I'm going to go, you know, I can do that, too. Yep. Yeah. It's huge. It's again, it's simple, but it's really, really powerful. So definitely go and do that. Um, thanks girl. I super appreciate you coming on here and sharing and jamming. Obviously we could talk for yeah. days on end about all of the things, but we'll draw the line here and we'll do part two another time. Um, so definitely go and get on to Isabel. If you are feeling called and inspired, I can definitely recommend her and her work. Um, and we will see you guys uh, later. Well, I will. Well, also so will Isabel because we'll come back around too. <laughs> all right. Bye. So I hope that you loved this episode and it would mean the world to me as something 
that is really close to my heart and obviously Isabel's as well, I would absolutely love to know your thoughts on this podcast. Uh, you can write them in the comments below. You can sh- you know tag and share us on social. There's always a really, really great way for us to firstly get this message out there to more amazing humans that you know need this, this content as being such a controversial sort of subject and topic. I would love to know if this resonated, if you learned something new. If it's empowered you to take a different set of actions around food and your body, uh, it would mean the world definitely to me to know that and for also Isabel as well. Um, And of course, if you haven't yet, would love if you would subscribe to the podcast and don't forget that you can get $600 worth of amazing business building goodies if you rate and review the podcast, which is super easy over on Apple Podcasts and then also just send that to podcasts at consciousboss.com. It's podcast with an with a T, not with an S, podcast, at ConsciousBoss.com. For now, stay safe, and I look forward to having you back here with me for an episode next week. Now, as you hear the behind the scenes to success, I hope that you are as pumped and as inspired as ever to answer the call in your life and keep building your dream and your vision. If business is what you're dreaming of building and you need support in getting your idea to reality or scaling your vision into bigger domains, I would love to support you as an insider listener of the podcast. If you head to consciousboss.com forward slash insider, you will see ways to work with me that can take you from either startup to 5k months and then onwards to six figures and beyond. There's something for you no matter which stage of business you're at. You can check out all of the details as well as loads of testimonials from the hundreds of women who have been through the programs when you head to consciousboss.com forward slash insider. Not only that, but as a podcast listener, you are going to literally get these programs for 30% off. That discount is only available to you as a VIP insider listener of the show as my way of thanking you for being here and listening to the podcast. All you need to do is head to consciousboss.com forward slash insider, select your program and enter the code insider at the checkout and it's all yours. You'll also see how to work with me one-on-one if you want a little more hands-on attention in your business. As always, thank you for being here. I appreciate you being part of our epic community of people waking up, answering the call and creating lives of deep meaning and purpose. See you on the next episode.